3: Well, welcome, to Ask the Lawyer, with me, Mike Connors. Tonight we have a special show. Again, I'm accompanied by my wife, Beth. Hello, everybody. And we have a special guest here, our priest from the Middle East, Father Paul.
4: Merry Christmas to all of you. Welcome, welcome. Thank hooray, you for having hooray. me. Merry Christmas.
3: Okay, and by the way, going to our opening song, I should mention this. The, the, the song, you know, We're Gathered Here on ground is by the artist David Kincaid. And if you want to find more about David Kincaid's Music, visit, visit www.hauntedfieldmusic.com. And, you know, we are on hollered ground here because we're in the Trinity Building. We're right next to Trinity Church and right next to the Trinity Graveyard, which has, among other people, Hamilton, Alexander Hamilton buried within its grounds. So, ordinarily, the show is about estate planning and elder law, and we're going to touch a little bit about uh, estate planning and elder law. And the idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going through court, avoiding probate, and as far as elder law is concerned, trying to save assets from nursing home bills. If you have any questions, call quickly, 1-866-970-9622, 1-866-970-9622. Now, if you have questions you want to ask Father Paul about what's going on in the Middle East, Use the same phone number one eight six six nine seven zero nine six two two. If you want to email us any questions, email us at askmyconnors at gmail dot com. at gmail dot com. You know, this past week we lost, uh, you know, President George Bush, and uh, y- you know, as eulogy they had his biographer John Meacham say, you know, more than a few words. And we had John Meacham on our show, you know, a few years ago, but we also had another Bush biographer on our show, Governor John Sununo, who was George's George Bush's chief of staff during his White House years. And and I'd i just like to play a quote that John Sununu gave on our show a few years back.
5: The cases can be quite easily made that of all the one term presidents he was by far the most outstanding and I would suggest that even though he only served one term, his total performance really ranks amongst the greatest. Um, everyone knows of his tremendous success in foreign policy and in nurturing the collapse of the Soviet Union. Um, at a time when, when it was uh, 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 the process was not as simple as people, ex- uh, 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 looking back, as some people think it was, and, and I try to explain the complicated aspects of it uh... he also made sure that the aggression of saddam hussein into kuwait trying to take over what would have been twenty five or thirty percent of the total oil supply of the world uh, kuwait plus what what he had in iraq but george bush also passed uh, more domestic legislation more sig- and more significant domestic legislation than any president except lyndon johnson and uh, Franklin Roosevelt. So, so his achievements on the domestic side were somewhat overshadowed by what he did in foreign policy. And I thought it would be best to kind of package them as as one uh, clear collection of the facts of history, so people could see it all together.
3: Okay, that was Johnson Johnson Unu, former chief of staff to President George Herbert Walker Bush, and rest in peace, Father. What was your impression of?
4: president bush i mean i know it's it, it, you're coming from a different world but uh, correct but in europe i mean for us europeans for sure he was first republican president and <laughs> uh that's um very important to to mention and uh um i would say for um for france or poland especially back then you know uh we're talking about the the era where uh dictatorship was kind of very strong in poland uh, uh, so um i would say that of course uh his message was all about uh, we have to turn down the wall. We have to we have to do something about um, reuniting European uh, countries. But from the Middle Eastern perspective, um, I should say that uh, he was, of course, nicely recognized by uh, Christian communities because uh, whatever happens in Kuwait and Iraq and um, in the area of the Middle East um you know George Bush never uh denied that he's uh he has uh, christian values in mind and he wants to fight for and he offers uh or he was offering back then as well uh some some uh, theory of values that's actually based on the on the christian values so uh i would say and i'm not surprised that so many people actually pay tribute to him and they uh, they attended the funeral the official uh funeral because uh, of course he has his own uh, um, space in in the history of the U.S., but also in the history of uh, of foreign politics, for which is also important for the Middle Eastern uh, perspectives.
3: Now, you know, before the show started, you were talking to us about some of the developments that were going on in, in the Middle East. What's going on in Syria right now, as far as physicians and doctors?
4: Yes, that's 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 right, and it's interesting because yesterday I've learned that. Um, you know the Syrian government. They 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 say that any activities uh, for health c- providers uh, will be criminalized and and they will be punished. So. They arrested another group of physicians, and just to let you know that between 2012 and 2018, we've lost almost 70-75% of physicians in Syria, and they're all Syrians, so uh, they should be supported uh, by by the government. So, and it's hard uh, now to realize, I'm I'm sure uh, whoever is listening to to, to our um, talk show, it's just, uh, it's hard to believe that in, in, in Syria, where the civil war is still on, and and we we kind of deliberate about how to help people, and somehow you have uh, health providers from the same country educated by the same country, and now they're in prison because they they didn't ask uh, you know people who were asking for help they didn't ask them for ID and I think that's something that that uh, we have to be aware of that um since everything is politicized these days, but what happened yesterday and uh, between 2012 and 2018 that we're losing those physicians and they're all in jail um, because of their activities. And uh, it's interesting because their activities were not against the government, but were th- th- what they did, they, they tried to help people who are asking for help. And if you have a physician in your area and you have to walk, let's say, 10 or 15 miles because he's the only one available, and that one Physician is now in jail. So imagine the, the situation. The the how deep the crisis is, uh, just has become. So uh, yes, it is. A, maybe you hear a kind of frustration from my voice, but uh, it's totally upsetting that also. It's a very um, it's a very interesting moment that that switch of power in Syria, where where actually foreigners have. Um, more power than the president of Syria and and arresting his own people, putting them in jail, especially physicians, doctors, you know, health providers, it just doesn't make sense. And I'm I'm not sure how much do we know about it, but uh, this is something that 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 you know it's it's on. And uh, the Guardian, I think, in 2012 or 13, they did a very interesting article about physicians being arrested. And it's interesting because the article was only read by by very few. People, very small group of people, but that's the issue that we should be aware of and uh, talk about it as as much as we can because those physicians are Syrian physicians and they are from Syria and they help Syrian uh, people. They 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 help uh, their own people to to get better. So yes, it's it's a very frustrating moment. For physicians in Syria, and again, if you if you try to sneak them into the Jordanian territory or Lebanese territory, it's again doesn't make sense because they are actually needed in Syria more than than in Lebanon or, or Jordan. So uh, uh, I wish I could have more uh, good news um, from the last few days, but uh, since Christmas is all about hope, so maybe whoever is listening to uh, to us tonight, if you can just spend one minute per week. Um, and to pray for those physicians who who has been, uh, all of them have been arrested and and they're in jail. So maybe there is hope for them as well. Since Christmas is all about hope, let's see how it goes. But for sure, they need your prayers. But um, they need also our uh, to hear our voice uh, that we we stand up for them and we we try to do our best to to let people know that something went wrong because those those physicians are really important people for for all of us in in Syria, Lebanon, or Jordan.
6: Well, I'm sure there are a lot of us that um, are not aware of who's in charge of Syria right now. Mm -hmm. So who's making these decisions? I would
4: say it's interesting because, you know, Russia, they have a lot of authority now in in Syria. And, of course, they offered President Assad uh, political asylum in Moscow. Uh, So, uh, of course, it's it's a political battle. But the thing is... um, what would be the reason for foreign powers to eliminate the elite of the society that can help people to 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 get better? I just don't understand what's what's behind and what's the story behind and what's the agenda behind. Of course, uh, you know during World War II, uh, I don't I don't remember who said that, but if you kill the elite of the society, you kill the nation, and that's that's what's going on in Syria now. If you kill if you're gonna kill all those physicians teachers, professors, of course you're going to kill the identity of the country yes, indeed, and that's what's going on in Syria and I don't know, my friends, whoever is listening to us, do you know that this is like almost um, seventh, if not eighth year of that civil war, and we stop talking about this war because we have different issues to deal with, so th- th- that war is still somewhere in Syria and, and we, have to, we have to talk about it we have to let people know it's, it's not, it didn't end it up as, as of yet it's getting worse, actually, especially with physicians being in jail. Imagine, you know, um, health providers being in jail. There's there's nothing worse than that.
6: Well, I, uh, how do you take over the... I mean, if you're not a Syrian and you're ruthless, you don't care how many Syrians are dying. Correct. So um, I think that's what's so very sad. I think they're already... In control,
4: absolutely yes. But it's interesting to to also to know what's the agenda behind because uh, you know I still remember President Obama, who promised uh, promised all of us if if Syrian government will use gas or any chemical weapon we go there. President Assad did it three times, if not four, officially, and nothing happened. And that's what we have. That's the situation we actually inherited from. From President Obama's administration, so yes, indeed, there is still war in Syria. We still have the, the humongous influx of refugees, especially women with, with kids. Because whoever, uh, if you see refugees in Europe, they are all young people without their 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 uh, mothers or wives or children. Uh, that's why we have another problem in in Europe with with those. Uh, I would say uh, very with a different definition of refugees that we have. We have to deal with. But in the Middle East, we have women and children left alone. And we have the government, the Syrian government, who's against his own people. And I mean, how can you use gas just against your your own people?
3: Okay. Unfortunately, we need to take a short break. Mm -hmm. We'll be right back in a few minutes talking to Father Paul about the situation in the
0: Middle East.
7: I'm in a good place in my life.
0: And I'm energized by
7: new adventures. I've got friends to laugh with.
4: And a good relationship. But even though I'm kind of comfortable? I sometimes wonder, is there something more?
1: Could God in church be what you're looking for? Come and see at catholicscomehome.com. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got a question for Mike? Call him at 866-970-9622. That's 866-970-9622. Okay, well welcome back to Ask the Lawyer
3: with me Mike Connors, accompanied by my wife Beth and, and Father Paul. Now, let's get at least one. We're getting a little backed up on our email questions, so let's try I to I haven't get, uh,
6: been here and I'm sorry right, to l- everybody. Let's... Okay. I have one from Gordon. Hello, what options are there for long-term care assistance for veterans?
3: Okay, well, a lot depends, you know, as a veteran, where you know, where did you serve, when did you serve. Now, most of the programs, in order to, to obtain benefits from the VA, you need to have served during time of war, which right now would be, let's say, be, if, if you served before 1946, you're a World War II veteran. If you served from 1950 to 55, you're a Korean War veteran. Unfortunately, if you served between 1955 and 1961, you're not a veteran. So if you are in active duty during those years, if it wasn't during time of war, you're not entitled to, to very much in, in veterans' benefits. Now, here's one thing that New York City and state did change this year, and, it's of course, it's also effective for next year. Prior to this year, if you owned a house, if you served on active duty during with the U.S. military dur- during a time of peacetime, you were not entitled to a veteran's exemption on your real estate or your real estate taxes. Right now, you are. And if you are in that category where you served on active duty in 1955 to 1961 uh, and you filed for a veteran's exemption, they said you weren't eligible, that law changed the first of this year. So – reapply this year or get your application in before March 15th and your real estate taxes will be reduced. So at least that's something. Okay, so let's say you did serve during time of war. Um one if you're disabled, you're 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 entitled to go to the VA facility on Linden Boulevard, let's say if you live in the New York area on Linden Boulevard 179th Street in Queens. If if you're disabled, you know, from from active duty during whether it's time of war or not, just if you're disabled. Now, if one, one of the programs available to some vets, it's called aid and attendance. So, if you're a veteran who served during time of war, and you have medical expenses and you can't quite make ends meet, the VA will kick into a married veteran more than two thousand dollars a month in aid to help keep him at home, or let's say they're in assisted living. You have a veteran in assisted living. He's got a $5,000 a month bill in assisted living. And let's say he's got $3,000 a month pension and Social Security. The VA would kick in $2,000 a month to help him make up that bill. Now, his assets have to be in a trust, and, and they started a three-year look-back period for the VA, which is, you know, another story whatsoever. But if your assets were in the trust before October 15th, you're eligible for that VA benefit right now. If you have expenses in excess of your income. And the same thing, you know, and here's where it works very well sometimes. You have a veteran who has home care expenses, and you have a son or daughter taking care of the veteran, and they're spending hours a month, a day, a year taking care of the veteran. They can figure out their hours, put in a bill to the veteran, and, again, the VA could kick in $2,000 a month to help pay those bills. And sometimes that's a great benefit. And now for the widow of a veteran, it's about $1,200 a month. So those are some of the programs available, and and of course, if you are disabled, even if you get a minor disability, you know all sorts of things are paid for through the VA, and if you're in the aid and attendance, all sorts of things are paid for from the VA, like equipment, supplies, whatever. There's a lot of stuff out there for for veterans or, or widows of veterans. You know, the, it takes a long time to to process things. It's the government; it doesn't work quickly. But there are VA benefits uh, that are available to. You know aging veterans, and you know it's you know the World War II veterans we're we're losing you know I don't know how many a day right now, so we we've probably had about fifteen World War II veterans on the show i I think only about three are still alive, so
6: we've been you know. very fortunate to even know them many many of them are from our neighborhood and wonderful, wonderful people. It's very sad.
3: okay, you wanted to get another question in there, quick, Beth?
6: Well, this one is also VA, but um, no. Okay. Y- um, what is a VA asset protection trust?
3: Okay, if if you apply for that VA benefit we talked about, you're not allowed to have more, roughly more than eighty thousand dollars in your name. So, if you have more than eighty thousand dollars in your name, you put the excess resources in a VA protection trust. I don't always like the name that that much because it can be a straight irrevocable trust that we do in New York to protect it from medical bills, Medicaid. Um, The thing is right now there is a three-year look-back period to to put your assets in a trust and apply for the VA benefit. Now, if your assets were out of your name October 1st, you can apply today. You know, the three-year look-back period started from very recently, roughly a couple of months ago. Um, But one other thing about it, a lot of assets don't count. Um, Your house does not count as an asset. Your car does not count as an asset. So when I say $80,000, that's not counting your house. Now, one of the things, and this is where the law sometimes go, you can go a little crazy on these type of things. For Medicaid, an IRA, a 401K, a 403B, a retirement plan, is not an asset. It is income. For the VA, a retirement plan, a 401K, an IRA, 403B, is an asset. So in other words, somebody who has $100,000 in an IRA could be eligible for home care Medicaid today in New York, where somebody who has $100,000 in a you know, in a retirement plan is not eligible for the for the VA. So, it's sometimes it, you know, it can drive you crazy some of these things back and forth. But in any event, if you if you have any questions about this, you can come into Connors and Sullivan. You can schedule an appointment at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. You know, I guess we're going to take another short break in a minute. Now, our next guest is from Louisiana. Father Paul, have you ever heard where Louisiana is? Do you know where it is?
4: Um, not really. Oh, okay. y'all are just being mean.
3: Okay. Yes. But we're talking to Willie Robertson of but, Duck Dynasty. But that so. was
4: French French uh, well, property there's some, before.
3: There's right.
6: French people down, yes. down there. Yes.
3: yes. We're going to take a short break, and then we're going to be talking to Willie Robertson. And for...
2: with me right now, I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888 943 2646, or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com/Fmelia. Once again, call 888 943 2646, and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement.
1: Frank Millia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank. NMLS number 403503. Welcome back to
3: Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Welcome to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. I'm very pleased to have on with us one of the members of the Duck Dynasty, Willie Robertson. How are you doing today, sir? Good. How are you? Okay. So just for the audience, which one are you? Who are you? <laughs> which one am i uh, yeah well, of, they're all big you know guys with beards which i have yeah, too but with that's... Beards.
7: i'm uh i'm son number three of phil robertson and uh on the television show i was the ceo and uh and am the ceo to this point and uh because i had more of the business sense so uh which is why I wrote a book and ran the business. So,
3: All right. Now, you're a businessman. You have a book. The title is American Entrepreneur, How 400 right. Years of Risk-Takers, Innovators, and Business Visionaries Built the USA. So how far back in time do you go, 400 years ago?
7: Uh, Yeah, well, I'm pretty much to the beginning of, you know, America a little bit before. You know, we talk about uh, a little bit about the Native Americans, and then, um, yeah, we launch right in there, right um, George Washington on up all the way to to modern times. So we kinda covered uh um all of it and just uh got a good collection of stories that um, uh, you know, told about the spirit of entrepreneurship and um and then I write in a book about our family and kind of our journey and I was always into uh making a buck here or there, even when I was a small child and I sold uh candy. I had a worm farm, uh pretty good worm farm for a while and uh so candy at school to the principal shut me down, and uh, yeah, I was always into selling things and interested in business and um you know, and at the same time, my father was trying to build this duck call business, and uh he uh, the the main thing we did was commercial fish, that was kind of paid the bills until the duck calls kind of hit and took off and um so yeah, I grew up doing that and worked in every aspect of the business uh shooting 10 years old i was a customer service i was the labor man uh all the all the boys were the employees of dad at the time so uh so we learned all that and uh shipped all the orders out answered the phone and um you know and then uh then ended up kind of taking over the business and uh uh running it and then along comes hollywood and said let's do a show and we did it so
3: i think the governor up here in new york would try to shut you guys down you probably violated who knows how many child labor laws
7: uh well he probably we well he he probably did but uh it was a good education we got in the process of it so uh, we didn't get paid either by the way we I know wait, so, uh, Dad would say we got paid but well he gave us uh, uh room and board and our meals so that's he he always viewed it as that and uh, which was good I wouldn't trade how we grew up for anything so but I don't know yeah I don't know if it'd work in New York or not
3: no, I don't think so You brought up George Washington Everybody knows George Washington was commanding general of the a uh, revolutionary war army for the Americans. He was our first president, but he wasn't just a military leader and a president. He had a number of businesses.
7: Oh, he did. Yeah. He was, uh, he was a businessman and, um, uh, and yeah, we wrote two other books before called American Fisherman and American, uh, Hunter. And, uh, and Washington was in those books as well. And, uh, yeah, he had tons of businesses going on and, uh, uh, I've, uh, I actually stayed by Mount Vernon, uh, my friend Adam LaRoche played baseball for the Washington Nationals and he rented this place while he was playing. And I think it was Sonny Jurgensen's old house. And so it was this giant house, you know, and, uh, but it was older, you know, and, uh, and we were right next to, uh, to Mount Vernon right there on the river. And, uh, uh, so I kind of saw, I remember thinking back, seeing where George Washington was. And, and so then all his businesses made sense, you know, and, and his, uh, fishing business and he meat processing and weaving and, uh, did distillery actually, and blacksmith, and they had all kinds of businesses going on that he that he was interested in and uh, and Nettie Dan was a success one as well,
3: yeah, of course, back then, okay, late 1700s we elect an entrepreneur to be president. It took a long time before we got back to uh electing <laughs> another entrepreneur wasn't it <laughs>
7: we, we did do that, and uh, yeah, people asked him about the president, and you know the first thing that I was kind of attracted to when when Mr Trump was talking about running was the uh was there actually his business stuff, and I thought that's what we need you know we need somebody that has some business knowledge in the uh in the white house and so um and, and i was uh Mitt Romney was the same way. I kind of thought you know you get a guy who knows big numbers and big business and uh um surely that that can't hurt you know having them in the white house and so and I think a lot of them have have proven true i mean as far as you know the kind of state of the economy now and um where we're at, which actually helps, you know, people like me and small business owners and medium business owners and even big business. So um you know, but that was my initial uh attraction was was the business stuff.
3: How is your company doing right now?
7: My company's doing fine. Uh uh it's you know, it's not where it was back in the height of the T V show. Um um but really that wasn't a lot of that growth, uh I don't know if it wasn't healthy. It was crazy trying to hang on to that. Uh, crazy show, I think if you grow too fast, you know in a business uh it can create a whole whole new set of problems and uh but yeah, we're back uh more like it was before the show where we you know just a uh normal amount of orders that you can take care of and uh still building our duck calls, still making sure the the quality's in there and um you know still have our core customer, which is really you know outdoorsmen, duck hunters that people that want to buy a call to try to get a duck in as close as they can to them so uh um you know, still there in West Monroe. It's a little bit different now. We have a little tour there at the, at the warehouse that you can go through. And we have things up from the show and uh, uh, things there. Cause a lot of people showed up to the offices and I never knew that. I never knew people would actually show up to our business. Never thought about it. And I never forget the first like three people walked up, knocked on the door to the office and, and they were like, Hey, we wanted to know if we could buy something. And I'm like, yeah, you can buy something, so, but I didn't even know how to sell it to them. We, we just sold direct to stores. I didn't even sell to customers at the time. And uh, and so we went and got them, and I said, guys, I think we're going to need a store. And so uh, we knocked out part of the warehouse, put a store in, and that store kept getting bigger and bigger, and uh, we had thousands of people pouring in literally every day that would come to the shop to buy stuff. So uh turned into a great business that we had right there, just selling direct to customers who were driving through. And the fact that we were on Interstate twenty, uh, as you as you may know, you know, that uh east west corridor of I twenty was, was helpful as well, because so, people would be driving down and we're just right off the interstate. So a lot of people from the show thought we were way out in the woods and we lived out in the woods, but the the office is actually closer into town.
3: You have any regrets about the T V show?
7: Uh not really. I mean it's you know, um there were there was awesome things that happened and um you know, some things were tough and uh um, but really no regrets. Man, I mean, we don't really look back and, you know, regret anything. We just keep moving forward and looking for those opportunities. And it was certainly a gift uh, uh, to us. And, um, you know, you got to figure stuff out like like we talk about in the book. You know, entrepreneurs have to figure stuff out on the fly. And, you know, for us it was TV and fame and all that at the same time. And um, probably the toughest thing was trying to run the business while all that was going on. And so because uh, we were you know, we were running the business. And so, uh, boy, it just gets so busy and cause you're trying to film the show, but also make sure your orders get out. And you know, that first year it happened. It was, uh, it was crazy. The computer crashed for like three days and we lost everyone's order. And, uh, <laughs> but the problem was their, their credit card had went through <laughs> and then we lost their order.
1: Oh.
3: So we
7: had all this money that we had of people's, but we had no idea what to send them. And so, uh, uh, you know, people would say, well, that's good problems to have, Willie. And I'm like, no, nope. it's not a good problem. <laughs> that's a terrible problem to have. And uh, Especially with the nature of the show being that, you know, the guys were goofing off half the time. And so I remember getting emails going, Willie, I'm, for real, you need to go in that duck call room and tell them to get my order out. And, you know, I'm waiting for it for Christmas. But, uh, well, we got it all sorted out and kind of made it through that first uh, that first season. And um, But, you know, nah, looking back, I think it was a, a blessing and a gift. My kids have went on to um, – start their own businesses and have used their platform well uh my daughter sadie does a tour and so she was on dance with the stars and so um they really parlayed that into a lot of positive things and that all came from the show and so uh you know i think um i always say this about when you become a celebrity you know you most people i know they're just a bigger version of what they are once they get there so if you're you know if you're kind of a uh not a pleasant person, then you're a just a wealthy, more famous, not pleasant person and <laughs> and if you you know if you go into it with the right uh attitude you can you can use that and I think one thing that helped us was that we were we didn't have to go off, and so we didn't have to go to New york or l a or you know um didn't have to travel really. We shot the show in our hometown, we went to the same church, shopped the same stores uh, same kids were in the same school so um so really not a lot of that change other than Everybody knew who we were, <laughs> so uh, which is fine it's it's has it's good and bad about that, but most mostly all good
3: now let me ask you something. why did you write the book? What's the point? What do you want the the reader to get out of it?
7: Well, like I said, we did American hunter, we did American fisherman which both of those were close to our heart um having been uh um, you know grew up being commercial fishermen and also hunters, and then one of the aspects was business. Probably the most question I get from a lot of people um Is about their own business, and so because um, you know because we ended up um, not as not as like um, I would say wealthy or anything because of our business, but more like um, since we were on TV, a lot of people saw that and saw this real niche thing like a duck call, you know, and. Uh, so, they come up and ask questions about their own business, and you know how did you know and maybe they work with their family and uh how does that work and how did you know when to take the risk and how do you know when to uh just a lot of questions about business and so uh I was always intrigued uh uh with with other people 's stories and how they did it and uh and really some of the other uh factors whether they uh were did, were they wealthy did they Were they poor? You know, was there a hunger there? You know, how does that happen when people are starting businesses? And what I noticed over the course of the book was it's all different. I mean, some of these guys were wealthy, and some of them were um, very poor and uh, hungry. Some of them were older in life, and some of them uh, uh, younger. Uh, Some of them were, were in the business of their families, and some weren't. Some started some crazy ideas and, you know. I did, I did. know this that the common theme was always a hard work ethic, and so uh, 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 all these people in the book had a very hard work ethic, and uh, and that's key, you know, and uh, and I always say being patient too, uh, uh, you know, because you're going to fail a lot too, and a lot of these people in the book failed, went bankrupt, you know, but kept trying and kept figuring it out, so they didn't stop, and so hopefully uh, people can read the book, and um, it's a good read just from the interesting. Uh, things that are said in there about different businesses and how they did it um but also hopefully it'll encourage people maybe it'll maybe someone will say hey man i've always wanted to do this or start this and uh uh, they can they can uh, grab a hold of one of the stories and say man they did it and and i'm going to try it as well and and despite where you're at or what you've done in the past or whether you felt like you passed your you know you missed it or whatever so hopefully it'll inspire people to 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 become an entrepreneur or you know do something different.
3: Make America great. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for the book. Thank you, you know, for entertaining us all these years. But thank you for what you're doing. It's really appreciated because sometimes, you know, you live here in New York and you, you think everything's out of whack. And and sometimes, <laughs> you, sometimes you got to go back to people from Louisiana and get your uh
7: <laughs> get, a little,
3: get your well, more I like ready. I love
7: coming to New York. I've had a great time here, but I will be ready to get back in the woods. So there's a lot of concrete here. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll be ready to go get back in the woods and have a little peace. So. Uh, Well, good deal. Good talking to
3: you. Willie Robertson, American entrepreneur. We all know someone
8: who's been touched by cancer. It's the second leading cause of death. And it took the life of my father, John Wayne. But even in his final days, he was thinking about helping others and publicly campaigning to raise awareness about cancer. His courage and grit inspired our family to do everything we could to fight the big C, as my dad called it. So we did something about it and founded the John Wayne Cancer Institute 35 years ago to advance life-saving research. Our discoveries are fundamentally changing the way cancer is treated around the world. Cures are within our reach, but we can't do it alone. I'm Patrick Wayne, and I'd be honored if you joined us in the fight against cancer. You can make a lasting legacy by helping to eradicate this deadly disease. Together, we can save lives. To learn more, visit jwcigiving.org. That's jwcigiving.org.
1: Whether you need help with drafting a will or trust, power of attorney, health care proxy, living will, or protecting your assets from nursing home costs, Connors & Sullivan's goal is always the protection of your rights and interests. The professionals at Connors & Sullivan have been helping people like you plan their estates and protect their families for over 30 years. I'm Mike Connors. Come to our office for a free initial
3: consultation. Talk with me or one of our experienced attorneys to see how we can help you protect your family, your assets, and your legacy. There is no one
1: Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Again,
3: welcome back. Now, Beth uh, Willie Robertson, he's from Monroe, Louisiana. Where were you born? West Monroe. West Monroe. West Monroe. Yeah.
6: Yeah. I am from, I was born about 30 miles south of Monroe, Columbia, Louisiana, in um, Caldwell Parish. And all my, all my Louisiana relatives sound like him. Okay. They all do, and they and it's a wonderful bunch of people.
3: Well, believe it or not, he knew where Grayson, Louisiana, and where he Columbia is. He knew Grayson, okay. Louisiana now, see, and where I was Columbia, I was Louisiana. born
6: in Columbia because Grayson didn't have a hospital. Yeah. So Grayson uh, and I now that I'm older, I realize I was related to everybody in Grayson. Had, Grayson had about. Eight or nine hundred people, period.
3: Mm -hmm. Oh, it was a
6: wonderful, wonderful place to grow up.
3: Now, I have something here. Now, we we, we talked to Congressman Bob Livingston from Louisiana, and we talked to Congressman Stephen Scalise from Louisiana. Now we talked to Willie Robertson from Louisiana. I think next week we're (laughs) going to turn the tables a little bit. We're going to talk to somebody from Newfoundland.
6: Getting jealous, huh? Yeah. You say you got some Newfie blood in you? Yeah,
3: well, that's where my grandparents were born. and from my father's side in Newfoundland. So we're going to have... Probably the most famous actor alive today, <laughs> from Newfoundland, Alan Hawco. And those of you who don't know him, you know, check him out. If you can get Republic of Doyle on Netflix between now and uh, next week, take, it's it's a fun show. And Alan Hawco is an up and coming actor. He's the thing is he he produces his shows so he can act. Right. So Republic of Doyle was a big hit in Canada. Frontier, next one you can get it on Netflix. His show that he's is, is also a big hit in Canada right now is Caught, but it's not being showed in, in the United States right now until they can get the third season out, and then they'll start distributing on Netflix. So Alan Hawko, we're going to be talking a little bit about the history of Newfoundland, too. So it's Well, there, it,
6: there was another actor that was kind of famous from Newfoundland, wasn't there?
3: Yeah, well, Chuck Connors, but he was born in Brooklyn. So
6: he was a Newfie though. Right, yes.
3: and according to Alan Hawko, if you were if your parents were born in Newfoundland, you're a Newfie.
6: So your dad was a Newfie.
3: My dad was a Newfie, yes, okay. although he was born in Puerto Rico, but that's doesn't matter. That's something yes. else again. Are
4: you a Newfie too? No, I'm not because no. I'm the Once son removed. of a Newfie. He's a son of son a Newfie, of a Newfie <laughs> but i oh, That's it. Yeah, <laughs> so but you're a son of Bay Ridge now.
3: Right. Well, you know, I lived yes. all my life in Officially, Bay Ridge. He's yes. son of a Brooklynite. Now, last night we had a very nice event that we went to, Legatus. Um Father and, Paul was with us. Right. And Tom Monaghan, oh, yes. obviously, you know. Mother Olga, yes. But what, what did. Now, one of the speakers there, which was a former guest on our show, too, Mother Olga. And Mother Olga was born in Iraq, which is. And she's now a Roman Catholic nun in New York, which is very unusual. Uh, father what did you, uh you were speaking to her in arabic for a while so yes uh,
4: yes so she can feel uh, she can she can feel home um yes it's a very interesting uh very interesting um uh, sister she she started that congregation um uh, daughters of nazareth if i remember well yes. and uh, being from iraq that's a, that's a uh, interesting story because she converted from the from the east um from the eastern um Right to Catholic right, and this is like you know, this is a big, uh, this is a big uh, uh, challenge and and difference. She mentioned yesterday that her family members kind of you know um, didn't like the idea of of her being in in uh, within within the Catholic uh, Roman Catholic uh, uh, Church um, movement. But uh, I was really struck by her courage uh, and, and the way she was talking about hope and she was talking about of course some issues that we have to deal with uh, within the catholic uh church but um i think i think uh, i wish she could she could talk more about her experience being a, a woman in the middle east being a, a, a religious woman in the middle east uh being from iraq because she i'm, I'm sure she saw a lot of things and uh, just before this 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 show, we, we talk about that she was her very first mission was what to clean up uh, prisoners' cells in, in 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 Iraqi jail, correct? Mr. Yes, Conner? I mean that's yeah. was how she said she learned humility. Yes, and yesterday we've learned that she's a cancer survivor, so uh, hard life, absolutely. But uh, uh, whoever is listening to us, my friends, you just just go and 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 find out about Mother Olga, very interesting uh, uh, person, and and I hope that she will. She will also talk, or she will do something to to help Christians from from the Middle East. it would be amazing to have that uh, cooperation, coalition, however you call it these days. Mm-hmm. Fruitful, yes. Interesting meeting, by the way. yesterday.
6: now you've been to Washington again, correct? And um,
4: Senate committee, yes, that's a hearing, right. yes, How did about human go? rights. It's interesting because now, uh, now it's like, uh, well, it's way better now. Sandwiches are made are amazing now. <laughs> uh, before it was just a bottle of water and some some uh, peanuts. <laughs> um, I'm not big a, f- a big fan of, but um, th- the thing is with what they see now, they they're really, I think they're now since they. They were listening to whatever I said a few months ago and and last year. So now they know it's it's something from the field, which means there's something that ha- they have to address some issues and they have to do something about it. And uh, so it's interesting because uh, I I feel like there is a, uh, there is a new platform that we can help uh, Christians from the Middle East. And you know the U.S. U.S. Senate. It's a very important platform that we can use to. To address some some issues, so uh, yeah, that's a very fruitful uh, experience, and, and I think um, uh, Mr. Gaudi as well. I hope I pronounce his Trey last, Gaudi. Yeah. Yes, pronounced uh, correctly. Uh, amazing, amazing person, very helpful, very kind. So uh, yeah, I would say I would say Washington uh, now is is kind of taking care of of uh, what's going on with Christians. Uh, the middle east and i found it very very interesting and and very i would say very deeply moved by by that it's a good sign it's a good sign and also you remember a few months ago we were talking about the the uk government that they decided oh let's let's not now talk about christian families maybe we can invite them um into british territory so it's it's a nice awakening because people may, may tend to think that um the um, that Arab Spring that was actually to to liberate Christians that was actually a, b- a beginning of a winter time for Christianity and Christians from the Middle East. So I'm glad that we have now that that awakening somehow. And uh, the the only thing uh, now is to to you know how long for how long that voice will be. Will be heard somewhere somehow because that that's that's the voice for for someone who who doesn't have that voice so far and and every day. So and I think yesterday Mother Olga and her statement, her her uh, uh, I would say her uh, vision of of hope. It's 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 very interesting and very deep. And I'm, I'm I'm glad that she mentioned that Christmas time is is also about hope. So let's celebrate hope because that's what we need so far. Speaking about
3: hope a little bit, we did have a fundraiser for you. It was a disastrous night as far as the oh, weather was yes. concerned. Oh, la, la, but yes, otherwise, yes, it, it went pretty well.
4: It went pretty well, but I had a long discussion with God that evening. <laughs> because I, I told him that I, I truly believe that you are on my side. And and uh, he, he didn't answer me as of yet uh, <laughs> after that discussion. Yes, I was late for that event for almost three hours. I left Manhattan. And I was sure with my two paintings, I was like, I'll be on time. And actually I wasn't, but uh, um, I made it so far. So, yes, that was a huge success. And I think our angel Donna, um, Donna from from your from Connors & Sullivan office, um, a beautiful person, she, she emailed me that it was a, a huge success, um, that it was uh, the occasion to raise almost $16,000. I think is, a
3: few more checks have come in
4: yes but uh you know for us like uh, like if you think about the clinic or medical equipment this is hope okay because we can use now uh i would never buy a new uh medical equipment it just doesn't make sense uh, to to buy the new one but the the used one is always uh um, helpful it's always something especially new baby incubators i mean uh, those those machines are to keep our newborn uh children uh, alive so yeah that's that's a huge hope but also that this is uh, all this happened thanks to uh to Mr Connor and and Beth um Connor so uh, it's a huge thank you i wish i could tell the Pope uh, to write you a letter with thank you, but I'm I'm afraid he's busy with other stuff. <laughs> but uh, but this is a huge thank you from my community in the Middle East because we t- we're talking about Christian refugees and they they recognize uh, how helpful you are and and so far they know even how to pronounce your last name. So that's also a good sign and. I think I mentioned before, I did bring one family with me. They're uh, going through the medical examination. So maybe sooner or later we can have them here and also talk about their own experience. Oh, that would be wonderful. Of course, I will translate everything because they don't speak English. but that would uh, be wonderful. Uh, Maybe one day with Mother Olga or, or oh, other uh, interesting nice? people, we can have people from... Uh, from there because uh you know i had the chance to bring them here also thanks to your help so there's it's, it's all about hope but it's it's uh, hope is possible uh, uh, um, only if people celebrate hope if they share if they help each other because hope should never be alone if uh, hope needs needs all of us together and i think that's where this christmas time is, is about gathering together as family members and friends to celebrate uh, exactly what happened in bethlehem jesus christ who brought that hope to all of us and as you remember back then the political situation when he was born that wasn't really uh, easy life as well and there were refugees as well i mean the holy family they 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 had to they have to go they were forced to to move to egypt so uh, somehow in, within the christianity concept of christianity there is that refugee uh refugee um idea that we have to help each other so yeah that that uh that evening that the snowy evening was an amazing evening uh, of course and thank you to all of you whoever uh donated or helped us uh, thank you all guys because uh that's uh that's how we keep our uh, connection with christianity from the middle east because this those are our roots i mean this is our this is our family i would say christians from the middle east and just to remind you jesus christ was born in the middle east uh, he wasn't born in kentucky or or France, or or Poland, but, uh, so this is something important, but I'm, I'm very grateful for that, and, uh, I hope um, if you're listening to us, um, my friends, if you have any legal issues, you should always address them to <laughs> Connors and Sullivan because I have no idea about law. I'm glad I'm not in jail as of yet. But uh, thank you again for all your donations, for all your help, and thank you to Mr. and uh, Mr. Michael and Beth Connors for well, let, for the kind help because this is. And amazing. let's
3: thank John Alexander and the Salam Club. Oh yes, yes, Club. yes.
4: There Whoever so was in charge, yes. Absolutely. There were so many people that helped. There Absolutely. were so many people that helped us. And if Connors and Sullivan forced you to help me, forgive them because that, that there's a bigger reason for that. So thank you right. again.
3: And, and by the way, speaking of John Alexander, don't forget his book on Johnny Cash. Oh you yes, know. you
4: mentioned that. Yes. And you know what's funny? We talk about the movie, and you said that in this movie uh, won some Oscar and and stuff, but it was very little about his his uh, religious uh, they would not put it in yeah spirituality and and I was shocked because I thought that the movie is showing the whole concept no. and idea of his life they would, they, they yeah. intentionally
6: left it out yeah. and that was John Alexander I mean he was he's also been on the show and he's mm. sa- he said they wanted he had written mm-hmm. about his faith and they wanted him to remove it
4: oh gosh
6: and he said no
4: so thank you Johnny Alexander to keep your your strength and force, but uh, a, a r- another reason to 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 read the book, I, Absolutely. I think, to have yes. a, the whole image of of uh, this beautiful artist.
6: Are, are you going to be able to bring some more families?
4: I hope so. Yes, springtime. It's uh, again, it's it's a way better time for us because it's the rainy season is over, so it's it's way easier to. I, w- I would say I have two families ready to come.
3: Okay. Well. Thank you for coming in tonight, Father. M- Merry Christmas uh, Merry to all Christmas. of you. Guys. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Let's Merry not Christmas. Now, Happy
4: Holidays. Merry Christmas. <laughs> exactly. Yes, right. right. <laughs> yes, and I guess.
3: We're gonna to listen to David Kincaid. send yes. us home. Thank you. Thank bye you bye. very much.
4: Bye bye.
1: We're gathered here on Hallowed Ground to sing this song away. We are, gathered, we are here. gathered here on Hallowed Ground, the voices raised, heads bowed down. We're gathered here on Hallowed Ground to sing this song away.